I just said, up yours, baby. Thank you for joining me today. This is Michael Hunter with the ACC Basketball Report on a beautiful Easter morning, or as some would like to call it, Zombie Easter Day. <laughs> for that reason, I chose the uh, the calm, eccentric, musical being that is White Zombie as my opening music today. Um, again, it, it's something that uh, me and my family were not uh, too particularly religious, so it's... Uh, you know, it's not a big thing for me. Uh, we don't really do. I know some people kind of make it into it like a second Christmas nowadays, and that's uh, <clears throat> that's not really the case for us. But uh, to each his own, I say. Um, if uh, if that's something that uh, you know brings you and your family happiness, more power to you. Uh, today, I'm doing what makes me happy, and I am bringing you the ACC basketball report on one of the major holidays of the year. That is how dedicated I am to this program. How much I love doing this. Um, a few a few things I want to talk about, a few updates that I want to get to. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you probably saw yesterday, um, the new custom logo is done. I love it. Uh, it was done by Graphics by Mel. You can find her on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, quick turnaround, uh, something that I kind of designed myself, but she put a little flair on it. I think it came out awesome. I'm a big fan. I have stickers on the way. We are. Uh, we're gonna, I ordered them yesterday. They're three by three. We're gonna do uh, you know some giveaways and some fun things. It'll be basically on Twitter and uh, having some interaction with you guys. Uh, I also submitted my first piece to Fanside, uh, Fansided, I should say. Uh, the website uh, slapthesign.com, which is a a website that covers Notre Dame. Um, obviously, my contributions will be on the basketball side during the offseason. I'll be uh, keeping track of their recruiting efforts, things of that nature. Um, so look for me over there. Definitely go over and visit slapthesign.com. Definitely look for uh, some written content up on the page, um, accbasketballreport.com. Right now, obviously, uh, content there has been a little bit lacking. Um, I have basically focused on the podcast for the most part. Um, my next order of business is basically to get the message board built at accbasketballreport.com. That is the uh, that's the direction that I think that I'm going to take that part uh, of the program, um, and we're going to do. Um, we're going to keep the podcast once a week for now. It, it may become a more often thing at the start of the ACC season next year or the start of a college basketball season next year. I don't, um, I'm not going to stick directly with ACC season only stuff like some of these other podcasts. Um, I, I, I love college basketball, the, the entire landscape, the entire universe. So, you know, I, I have no problem starting with uh, with the out of conference schedule. Um, <laughs> one thing I do need to own is uh, one of the one of the listeners contacted me last week and said that they could not submit a rating on iTunes for the program. Hold on a second. So, I <laughs> being curious, I got on um, on iTunes. And I threw on a four-star rating just to see if I could submit something. And, of course, I hit submit, and it worked perfectly. And it shows up on um, on my ratings page as me rating myself. So if anybody knows 
how to delete that rating. I would love to get rid of it because it feels like one of the douchiest things you could ever do. It's like liking your own post on Facebook, if that's still a thing. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not a fan. Um, I do appreciate the people who went out and rated this this program five stars and uh, have raised that rating, that one rating um, that uh, one guy wasn't a huge fan of the show early on, and it's uh, and it's uh, conception. Um, is still there, but uh, it's not the only one there. So I appreciate that. Uh, I do have to mention to you guys today again that uh, this is a crowdfunded program. Uh, if you're interested in being a patron, supporting the show, please go to accbasketballreport.com. Click on the RSS feed that'll take you to my Podbean page, and you just click on the Be a Patron uh, link on the top right hand side and go ahead and be a contributor to the show. Also, if you were following me on Twitter at um, Pecon36, you'll know that I released uh, basically. Uh, a little bit of information regarding my first interview. Uh, my first interview will be released with the 415 show, the 415 episode, April 15th. Jesus. April 15th episode. God. The um, My guest will be Harold Little, who, for those of you who don't know, uh, Harold Little is the father of uh, McDonald's game MVP, Nasir Little, who is also a UNC signee for the 2018 class. Um, I've gotten to know Harold a little bit through... Uh, some message board interaction, um, some Twitter back and forth, uh, some conversations here and there. Uh, he's a really interesting guy, really well-spoken guy, really thoughtful guy. Um, he's going to be able to give us some insight on uh, the recruiting world, um, the recruiting um, process with his with his son. Of course, his son has been mentioned um, in the FBI reports and was later basically vindicated um, when his AAU uh, the guy who ran his program, one family in Florida, basically said he never got any money. You know, that was another thing. There was money passed to Augustine, but Augustine kept the money for himself. And Harold was um, vehemently denying all of this. You know, any any kind of wrongdoing by his family, Harold said, no way, not possible, never happened. We haven't done anything wrong. And I believe him. Um, I, I You know, nothing's come out to, to say otherwise. And... Um, you know, it could be uh, <clears throat> could be an instance where I like the guy and I've got to know the guy a little bit, but uh, I've seen nothing that proves anything to me that these guys did anything incorrectly. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. That was an interview that I actually wanted to do when I started the site before I actually started the podcast. I wanted to do a Q&A with Harold and Nas, and uh, it, it didn't work out with schedule conflicts and all that stuff. Obviously, Nasir, his schedule was booked at the time. He's one of the best players in the country, one of the top recruits in the country. And uh, he's starting to show out a little bit. And I'm going to talk about him here in a little bit, but I just wanted to get that out there for that announcement. Uh, you know, my first interview, really excited about it. Hope you guys are excited. We're going to get some really good content from Harold. And it may give you guys a, a look inside recruiting that you wouldn't otherwise know. So one of the first things I'm going to jump into today, and I'm going to get back to Nasir and the McDonald's game and some other stuff here in a little bit. But, you know, probably the biggest story in the ACC this week is that Chris Mack has been named um, – the coach at Louisville, uh, leaving Xavier, and uh, the Louisville Courier Journal um, published a copy of his contract. And I'm going to go down through it a little bit, uh, talk about you know some key points and some things that are kind of interesting. Um, one thing that typically um, over the last few years, a typical contract, basically for high major power six program is around five to six years at about three million per 
Um, I said in, I believe, last week's episode that Louisville's about to back up the money truck. And if anybody is going to toss four to four and a half million dollars at somebody, that person's going to listen regardless of who you are. Now, Chris Mack has been um, sought after by many programs for probably the past three years. And when Louisville comes calling and they want to give you four and a half million dollars, you're going to listen. And what happened this week? They gave him seven years at four million dollars. So, you know, he's a he's an alum of Xavier. He's their all-time winningest coach. Uh, when somebody wants to give you four million dollars, you're going to listen. And when that program is not, I don't think quite a blue blood, but they're on that next tier down. When when that program plays in the ACC, when that program has won national championships as recently as 2013, you're going to give them a strong look. And um, and that's what Mac did. And I think you know ultimately he's probably achieved as much as he can at Xavier. And now he's going to go win some national titles. And I and I think that's probably the direction that he's going to go. That's the direction he's going to take this program. I think he's going to make them a legit powerhouse. Um, <clears throat> so seven years at four million dollars. Uh, he's going to get a raise to 4.25 in 2021 and a raise again to $4.5 million in 2023. The buyout is $6 million uh, before the 2019 season and decreases by half a million dollars each year through 2023-2024. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it, for, for this deal, um, he, his bio is less than Kevin Stallings' bio was. Um, it was less than Tubby Smith's bio was. It was less than Paul Hewitt's bio was at Georgia Tech. So this deal uh, with that buyout uh, is really a protection for Louisville, um, a program that makes as much money as they do. That six million dollar buyout that, um, say, after three seasons can only be five million. That's that's a great deal for Louisville. That's them protecting themselves there. Um, the contract would also be extended to include an eighth year if Louisville receives any kind of postseason ban or loses any scholarships that result in them having less than 11 available scholarships. Now, that is a protection for Chris Mack. Um, that is him looking at the current landscape, the current FBI investigation, um, any investigation into Patino. And as we know, there are many. Um and the reason that the number is 11 is because they're currently already on probation where they have lost uh, four scholarships over the next four years that started in 2017. So, you know, uh, Louisville's protecting themselves. Chris Mack is protecting himself. I think it's a good deal on both for both parties. Um, Chris Mack is, like I said, one of the most sought-after coaches in the country, um, and he's been basically biding his time looking for the right, the right, uh, the right program, the right opportunity to jump at. And a school that was desperate to, you know, rework their image and rework their entire program was something that he really, you know, I'm not going to say he cashed in on their despair, but, um, you know, it's an opportunity that presented himself and I think it presented itself and I think he was awful smart to take it. One thing that I did want to mention is um, in the contract language is an interesting part and I highlighted this. It says, in performing his duties under this agreement, the contract reads that coach shall be familiar with, shall adhere to, and shall promote within the program an atmosphere of compliance and applicable governing body requirements. Okay, now that's interesting because wouldn't you think that that would be in every contract? Um, was that not in Rick Pitino's contract? Is, is that where that saying came from? I mean, that would be something obvious. You should know and be in compliance with all of the eligibility requirements um, by the NCAA that are put in place by the NCAA. Um, I think that that is, that's a statement that is protecting Louisville. 
I think that gives them a wide berth if they ever have to. They're scared. And I don't think Chris Mack is a cheater. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. But they're giving themselves a wide berth to be able to fire the guy with cause. I think I think that's what's going on here. If I'm reading that correctly, that is a very that's kind of a vague statement that they can use later on. If for if he does anything shady, okay, which I don't think he's going to do. I think, like I said, Chris Mack, he strikes me as one of the good guys in college basketball. That's just that's just maybe maybe that's just me again. Maybe that's just because I like him. But you know, it is what it is. It's Louisville protecting itself, and I think that is is profoundly obvious in all these contract documents um they're a little bit skittish as they should be um the situation that they're going through right now you know i don't really feel bad for them because the situation they put themselves in you know lack of institutional control is you know louisville is the poster child for, for lack of institutional control i mean give me a fucking break um, his bonus incentives, which I think they rack up to about half a million dollars a year. Let's go down through those real quick. 25 k for winning coach of the year. Um, you know, nice little chunk of change. But that's the only one at that at that the lowest level. That's the lowest bonus he can get, which is really interesting. Uh, 50K each for national coach of the year, ACC regular season titles, ACC tournament titles, Sweet 16 appearance, and Final Four appearances. So, uh, you know, I, he's... I think he's going to rack up the Sweet 16 bonuses. I think he, uh, you know, I'm not, Final Four, those are difficult. You know, Sweet 16s, he's, he's going to get that bonus every year, I think. He's just, he's that good of a coach. Uh, he gets 100 k for winning a national title, which that's certainly attainable, especially at Louisville. Uh, two of the more interesting pieces, and I don't know if this is typical per contract, but uh, 50 k for the team earning a 3.0 GPA in the spring semester. Now, I am not 100% certain on how GPAs are calculated for basketball teams. I'm not sure if this is a deterrent from uh, recruiting one-and-done players Um, because typically one-and-done players are known to basically check out of the academic side of uh, of college when, you know, first semester ends, you can play ball free reign without going to class because you'll be gone by the time your grades come out and and be ruled ineligible. So, um. I'm not sure if if that bonus means, you know, we, we, we what it really means is that Louisville wants their kids to go to school all the time. They want their, their kids to be in class all the damn time, which you which you need anyway. But uh, it's also this is this might be an incentive for Chris Mack to go after uh, two and done, three and done type players, which we'll see what happens. Uh, he also gets another 50k bump for his team attaining a 990 in the APR each year, uh, which is which is a pretty that's a fairly high bar. Um, average APR for men's basketball is 966. Um, and there's actually only uh, one sport, one college sport that is uh, that averages over a 990, and they ag- actually rate at exactly 990. And that's men's gymnastics. Uh, for the men's sports side, which which is kind of interesting. If you don't know what APR is, APR stands for uh, Academic Progress Rate, and it was adopted by the NCAA in 2004. Um, and what it is is it's a metric, basically, um, that's supposed to ensure good academic standing within your sport. Now, the way it's calculated is each student-athlete receiving athletically-related financial aid earns one point for staying in school and one point for being academically eligible while they are in school. A team's total points are divided by points possible and then multiplied by a 1,000 to equal a team's academic progress rate. Uh, in addition to a team's uh, current year APR, there's also a four-year rolling APR and is used to uh, determine accountability for the program. 
Uh, currently, teams must earn a 930 four-year average APR or a 940 average over the most recent two years to participate in the NCAA championship. I'm reading this from the uh, the NCAA uh, uh, homepage. Uh, in 2015-2016, so this article is a little bit older, uh, and beyond, teams must earn a four-year APR of 930 to compete in championships. So, the you know, basically what it is is uh, Louisville is setting their academic bar fairly high, um, 60 points above what's required and um, 35, sorry, 24 points above national average. I think is setting the bar pretty high. Now, there are penalties involved with APR. Uh, first penalty level includes... Uh, a limitation of practice hours from 16 hours over five-day period down from 20 over six, which is what uh, teams are currently allowed. Um, <clears throat> the lost four hours and lost day would need to be then dedicated towards uh, academic activities. Uh, there are second and third levels. The third level is uh, it could include coaching suspensions, financial aid reductions, restricted NCAA membership, um, uh, restrict restrictions from like uh, tournaments, postseason tournaments, championship tournaments, things of that nature. Uh, that was a this is actually a big. The reason I'm somewhat familiar with APR is it was a, a reason. One of the reasons that Paul Hewitt had a falling out at Georgia Tech was his APR was terrible. They it, Georgia Tech was on on the the cusp of receiving some of these third level penalties and something that one of the reasons they went with brian gregory when they hired was obviously the first one was monetary reasons they were strapped for cash because dave brain gave him a gave paul hewitt a stupid contract and then uh, clemson's current ad dan radikovich extended that contract i believe would he extend it he, he was part of it anyway but anyway it was a rollover contract where Eventually, Georgia Tech, if they ever wanted to fire him, was just going to have to bite the bullet and pay him $7 million buyout. But uh, Brian Gregory is known as a great um, a great coach as far as keeping his kids in the classroom. His, his teams have always been in good academic standing. So that was one of the reasons that G-Tech went with him. Uh, it certainly wasn't for his recruiting ability. It certainly wasn't for his uh, offense. So, um, you know, that that's just a little background on APR um, and, and – uh, in Chris Mack's contract, I think he'll do well there. I think he'll win at least one national championship there. I think he'll make them powerhouse in the ACC or can or keep them to be at their current level, which I think, you know, down year, David Padgett, he's a, he's a stopgap, um, and now they've got their guy. Uh, I think Padgett's a good coach. I think he'll end up somewhere. You know, people, we always say the Atlantic 10. You know, I think, he ends, I think he's, he's going to be a good coach in the Atlantic 10, CUSA. Uh, possibly the American, which the American's pretty good now. So, you know, he's got to, he's got to, you know, uh, <laughs> he's got to find his way. You know what I mean? He needs to, he needs to find a program, make it his own, and uh, and get some games under his belt. I mean, before this year, the guy had never coached an NCAA game, and he took over one of the most prominent programs in the country for one of the most prominent coaches in in our generation. So, you know, David Badge is going to find his way. Um, hopefully, right now, he's just. Uh, Kind of enjoying the downtime. I'm sure this season was a shock for him. Of course, the other news in the ACC this year is the dumpster fire that is Pitt has seemingly been put out. Uh, you know, somebody took a fire extinguisher and a bucket of water and put that dumpster fire out. 
Now, whether or not it becomes another dumpster fire in the near future has yet to be seen. Certainly, there's some heavy speculation as to who they hired, of course. Uh, if you've been buried in the sand for the last few uh, few days, Jeff Capel's been hired as, uh, as Pitt's new head coach, replacing Kevin Stallings. Uh, I haven't been able to find a whole lot on his contract. If you guys, if anybody has a copy and you want to send it to me on Twitter, I appreciate it. Uh, love to take a look at it. Love to talk about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about Jeff Capel, a lot of opinion-based stuff. I have my opinions about Jeff Capel. Um, real quick, let's go down through this. I, It's so funny watching Twitter. Um, they, If you would have asked them at the beginning of the search who they wanted, it was Tom Crean, Thad Mata, uh, maybe somebody may have mentioned Kevin Willard from Seton Hall. Um you know, Brandon Knight was always the guy I thought that was going to end up there. Um, they went a little bit, you know, I, I think this is a better hire than Brandon Knight. I think that's fairly obvious. Um, but if you would have said Jeff Capel when all these people wanted Thad Mata and and Danny Hurley and and Tom Crean, they would have they would have scoffed at you. And now that he's actually there, they love him. They're ready to throw parties in the streets. They're ready, to, you know, velvet ropes will part, rose petals fall from the sky. You know, the guy's the king of the city. Um, a little bit of background on Capel, 79-41 as head coach at VCU from 2002 to 2006-96-69 uh, as head coach at Oklahoma from 2006 to 2011. Okay, uh, you know, really, really good coach at VCU, I thought. Um, he was one of, those, one of those coaches early on that was bringing VCU to the forefront, uh, making them a power player in, uh, in, um, in college basketball. And, uh, you know, made the A-10, help make the A-10 what it is today, which is one of the most respected, you know, basketball leagues in the country. Had a little bit of a down year this year, but, again, he was one of the architects that made that league what it is today. Him, Anthony Grant, um, <clears throat> Shaka, obviously, uh, Mike Lonergan, even though he's no longer with GW, he left under some, eh. uh, John Giannini, who was recently let go at LaSalle, he, he had a hand in making that the Atlantic 10 what it is. Uh, you know, that's a great league. Um, that's a tough league. He did well there. And he rolled that into a job at Oklahoma where, of course, he, he coached uh, Blake Griffin in his second and third year there, uh, combined to go 53-18 and 18 in his second and third year uh, when he had the Griffin brothers and some other players. Uh, also brought in uh, McDonald's All-American Willie Warren, who was, you know, a really talented, high-flying, high-scoring point guard who was a burger boy. Also brought in Tony Crocker, who was a really solid player for Oklahoma for a lot of years. Uh, in year four, the Griffins were gone. Uh, Capel was able to bring in another really star-studded um, <clears throat> uh, recruiting class with uh, two more McDonald's All-Americans, Tommy Mason Griffin and Keith Tiny Gallon. Now, uh, that team had certain expectations. That was, um, God, if you watched that McDonald's All-American game, Keith Gallon was a force. He was 6'9", 6'10", 300 pounds. Uh, Tommy Mason, and he, he could shoot. You know, he'd trail the play because he's 300 pounds. He, he would trail the play, um, and then they'd kick back to the top of the key, and the guy could shoot. I, I just remember that for a big man, he could just really shoot the ball, especially on those trailer threes. Uh, Tommy Mason Griffin was a very up-tempo, high-scoring point guard. Uh, he did have some severe maturity issues. He was just – he was not ready uh, to play. He was not ready to to leave the nest, okay? He was, uh, he was trying to fly and basically fell to the ground in his year. 
at uh, at Oklahoma. Um, you know, Willie Warren was a really talented player when he was playing, I guess, second fiddle to Griffin. But when he was on his own that year, he just – I don't I don't think – it's been said that he – because I spent some time in, in Moore, Oklahoma, for work, which is right down the road from Norman. And uh, talking to some people in some bars and stuff, Willie Warren just wasn't ready to be uh, BMOC. You know, just wasn't ready for, for that spotlight to be on him. <clears throat> so after Capel's year four, all these guys leave. Okay, uh, Tommy Mason Griffin, Tiny Gallon, Willie Warren, they all go pro. They all miss. You know, none of them none of them hang. Some of them played in the D-League. I think five guys left out of that season. They were ranked in the top 20, and they ended up going 13 and 18 in year four. And then the following year, um, it's found out that, that Gallon's recruitment was a little bit shady. Uh, he accepted three grand cash from a Merrill Lynch employee in Florida. Um, Capel was cleared of any wrongdoing, but a guy on his staff whose name was Aronde Taliaferro, uh, who's currently a scout for the Detroit Pistons, um, was found to, to have committed two major infractions under Capel's watch. Now, you know, again, Capel was cleared of any wrongdoing. Uh, this guy, however, his basically his, uh, his college coaching career was, was over, this Taliaferro fella. But, uh, you know, he seemingly landed on his feet. This is according to Real GM. I don't know if he's still with the Pistons or not. But um, <clears throat> Cable was fired after five years at Oklahoma. Um, you know, only two years. The two years he had Griffin were the only two years that they really did anything. They made the Elite Eight one year. Now, Cable is, you know, if you look real quick, I guess, let's look at, uh, he, he joined the Duke staff in 2011 after he left Oklahoma. 2013, you know, if, if you get on, all you got to do is get on sportsreference.com and punch in Duke and go to their history. Look at their teams, okay? Look at their rosters. Um, Capel comes on staff in 2011. Uh, 2013, which, you know, that's that's about right. He was hired in May of 2011, and he, his impact would be, you know, in the short term, would be the 2013 class. Uh, 2013, they land Jabari Parker at a Simeon in, uh, in Chicago. Simeon's in Chicago, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I sometimes I get Simeon confused with Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, but Simeon is in Chicago. Anyway, Jabari Parker, transcendent player, phenomenal player, um, easily the best player that Duke had landed in quite some time. And then in 2014, you know, Capel's really hitting his stride here. Uh, they land Okafor, Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow, Grayson Allen. That's a fucking hell of a four-man class right there, fellas. 2015, Brandon Ingram, Luke Kennard, Chase Jeter, and Derek Thornton. Now, Derek Thornton would later transfer to USC, but he was a big-time recruit. Chase Jeter, I believe, may have gone to Bishop Gorman, now that I think about it. But um, Chase Jeter... Uh, he's out west now. And I want to say New Mexico. Can't be sure. Don't quote me. Um, he, he was a big time recruit. Uh, it just it, he never got off the bench at Duke. I don't know if it was a defensive thing or, or they just had more talented guys ahead of him. They just kept recruiting over him. But uh, then obviously 2016 they had Jason Tatum, Frank Jackson, Harry Giles, uh, Marquis Bolden, Javon Delore. These are all highly regarded players. Uh, and then obviously this year they have Marvin Bagley III, Gary Trent, Trevon Duval, uh, Wendell Carter, Alex O'Connell, and Jordan Tucker. Now Jordan Tucker has since has since uh, uh, transferred to Butler, and but I mean it's undeniable the impact that Jeff Capel has had on Duke recruiting. Now some some are going to say that it's it's Coach K's philosophy has changed. I don't think so. I think it's Jeff Capel coming to town. Jeff Capel pulls in big fish. Okay, um, now. <laughs> You guys know what I think, right? I would never say Jeff Capel drops bags, but there are people out there who think that Jeff Capel drops bags. And Jeff Capel has actually referred to himself on Twitter as the duffel bag boy. 
So, I mean, I mean, the only thing you got to realize now is you ain't at Duke anymore. Okay, you're not sitting under Coach K's umbrella. It is obvious that this guy can recruit. His record suggests at, that he can coach. Now, if you take out the 53 wins that he had with Blake Griffin, you know, 53 and 18, you take that out, it's, it's subpar. And then some people are going to look, the ACC is not the Atlantic 10. You know, 79 and 41 in the Atlantic 10 is good, but that ain't going to get you a whole lot in uh, in the ACC. So we'll see what happens with Jeff Capel. Um, people are going to people are going to bag on Kevin Stallings for years to come in Pittsburgh. The fact that I, again, I don't even know what Jeff Capel is getting. I'm assuming since Pitt uh, offered Danny Hurley around 3.2, 3.4 million, that Jeff Capel is getting north of three million. I would assume that, or it's got to be right around there. Now, people are going to to curse Kevin Stallings' name for a long time to come. Kevin Stallings was at least clean, I think. You know, he didn't have a clean mouth. There's videos on YouTube that would suggest that. But he, I, I think that he tried to do things the right way. Now, he wasn't very good at it. He's not a very likable guy. I think he's kind of a douchebag myself. But there are there's some stink on Jeff Capel. There's some suspicion on Jeff Capel. And if... If somebody at the NCAA Investigations Committee or whatever it's called um, has has a hair across his ass for Jeff Capel and some stuff in, that happened in Oklahoma or some stuff that went on at Duke that he couldn't get at him because Coach K is Coach K, man, Pittsburgh could be walking into into a bad, bad decision. Um, again, this is a reason that I kind of went through a max contract. I'd like to see Jeff Capel's uh, contract to see if there's any – any measures taken by Heather like to to protect the university in in any situations like this, but you know I don't really know what you can. I mean, you're going to hire the guy to lead your program. If if you don't take everything into account, then you're not. She's not really doing her job. I think she did so, um, but because Jeff Capel can recruit, and for the most part, Jeff Capel can win. I mean, he's got a winning record, uh, you know, in the in the Big Twelve and in the A10. That's you know that's that's two pretty good. Two pretty good stops so far. Uh, he hasn't done well in the ACC though when he's had to fill in for Coach K. I could not find his record when Coach K is out. You know when Coach K is supposedly out with back problems, but he's actually in South Carolina two days before Zion Williamson's um, uh, announcement. Uh, uh, but uh, did I just say that out loud? But anyway, um, you know it's undeniable what his what his strengths are. Um, he's one of the best recruiters in the country, but. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just wonder if he's, if he's, you know, leaving that nest. He's, he's putting himself out there on a program at a program that the NCAA is not going to be uh, scared of punishing and dropping the hammer on. And right now, the NCAA has a, a lot of hammers that it needs to be that it needs to drop. And some of its most profound programs are involved in this investigation. Um, if, if they find something on Jeff Cable, they are going to hammer pit. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it gets there. I think this was probably the best they could do. Um, that's a five-year rebuild. Uh, and I think that Pittsburgh knows that. Um, and, you know, given that they gave him seven years, I believe. Um, yeah, they need... They need a lot of help. Now, they did get some good news this year, uh, this this week, with some players coming back. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, so, Cable's off to a pretty good start. The other thing that I haven't heard much about is the official visit thing that I talked about last week. Um, I'm not sure if, what the restriction is there. I, I never was able to find concrete numbers as far as how many Stallings used to fill out his his roster last year. So, that's something you got to keep an eye on. Um, you know, he's going to be... 
under the behind the eight ball to to start to fill out this team. But again, he did get some good news this week. I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, some other coaching and player movement around the league, uh, as far as the ACC goes. Tavares Hardy has accepted a head coaching job at Loyola Maryland. That leaves Georgia Tech with two empty uh, assistant coaching spots now. One of those spots is going to go to Julian Schwartz, I believe, who is the compliance officer for Passner, has been going back to Memphis. Uh, he's actually stepped into a recruiting role uh, since Daryl LeBerry has been shelved, and then he you know, ultimately resigned. Uh, Schwartz is leading the charge for uh, Buford uh, High School, Georgia product, uh, Marcus Watson, who looks like a kid that was that was you know built in a lab just you know he really reminds me of marcus george's hunt except he's a little bit more athletic and uh you know uh, schwartz has has been really uh, has been really effective i think so far on the recruiting trail he's going to get one of those spots um i i honestly have no idea who, who gets the other spot um but i know that it's going to have a, a profound impact. Losing both LeBerry and Hardy from this from this coaching staff is going to have a huge impact on Georgia Tech basketball. I think uh, you know Hardy came up with some game plans for G Tech when they looked really good this year. Uh, one of which sticks out was the Virginia game. That was Tavares Hardy's you know game plan that uh, G Tech hung with Virginia pretty well this year. Uh, this guy's a really good X's and O's coach. I think he's going to do really well at Loyal, and I wish him nothing but the best. So uh, shout out to Tavares Hardy. Uh, I hope you, uh, you know, you know, succeed and, uh, and, and, uh, and do very well at Loyal. Uh, Pittsburgh's good news this week, obviously. Um, you know, I said I was going to get to this. Jared Wilson frame, Shamil Stevenson, both staying at Pitt. So that's Capel's first win. Okay. Uh, Stevenson, I think, has pretty high upside. He's a big kid, uh, 6'5", and, you know, chiseled out of granite. Uh, kind of played out of position a little bit this year, asked to play the power forward. Hopefully they get uh, some players kind of in there so he can return to his wing position. Obviously, Wilson Frame was their leading scorer this year. I don't think um, Parker Stewart and Marcus Carr are coming back. Actually, Marcus Carr said he was leaving regardless. I don't think Parker Stewart's coming back. I think you're going to see him – he, he played for Penny Hardaway or his AAU program in Memphis, uh, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him go there. But, uh, you know, Georgetown's also a significant player for Parker Stewart. He's going to land elsewhere. He's, there's no chance he's going back to Pitt. Um, C.J. Walker has left uh, Florida State. Let me grab some water real quick. Uh, this was a guy that I had on my preseason uh, players to break out list. He, uh, you know, averaged eight points, four assists this year. He's an Ohio native that was originally committed to Purdue. I think you can look for him uh, to land somewhere in the Midwest, I believe. Somebody said the other day that he'd been contacted by Ohio State. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Indiana jump in there. I wouldn't be shocked to see Notre Dame jump in there. Actually, no, not Notre Dame. He'd have to sit two years. Um, you know, I, he's going to land in the Midwest, I think. He, he's a good player. He's just kind of turnover prone. Uh, it kind of fell out of favor with Hamilton, I think. Um, didn't have a great year this year. I mean, you look at the numbers, eight points, four assists, not bad for a, a sweet six, uh, lead eight team. But his playing time was dwindling, um, and he, he he played terrible defense this year. I mean, this kid, he, he was a disappointment to me because I'm pretty high on this kid, or at least I was coming into the season, but uh, just really didn't live up to uh, anybody's expectations. Um, so keep an eye on him. He's going to be a good player. He's going to be highly sought after. I, I still think that he's capable of having – uh, a, a good career, and he's got two seasons left. So I think he'll get it figured out if he lands in the right spot. Um, also look for uh, Butler to get involved here 
because uh, Kamar Baldwin's going to be a junior next year, while Walker can redshirt. They could be a they could be a big time player for Walker. Uh, obviously, the biggest news with recruits this week was after the McDonald's All American game, Darius Baisley decommits from Syracuse and uh, says he's going to the G League. Now, <clears throat> some people I, I think are. Are prematurely condemning this decision. They say, "Well, he can only make twenty six grand at the at the G League level, and you can't go to the NBA in the first year." Okay, what you're not seeing here is this is the uh, situation that the NCAA has created for itself. Okay, Baisley, he, <laughs> goddamn dog, but uh, Baisley, he's only going to make twenty six grand a year, but it's also not illegal for him to accept bridge loans from agents now okay he can go out he can sign shoe deals with anybody he wants now he can talk to whoever he wants anybody can buy him dinner they can give him cars they can give him shoes they can give him fat sacks of of, of cash with with no repercussions okay this kid can do whatever he wants now he found a job okay the g league has provided these kids with basically a route for on-the-job training, where they can make money at a very high, uh, at a very high level, without being restricted the way that the NCAA is restricting its players. Now, you're not going to get the promotion. You're not going to get maybe the uh, the the high media coverage like ESPN gives to Trey Young and some of the, some people there. But if he goes to the to the G League and kills it, great and. For if you think that he's only going to make twenty six grand, you're out of your damn mind. The kid's going to make six figures easy this year. Okay, he's going to get a shoe deal. He's going to be an agent. It's going to give him a few hundred grand and a car and fucking everything else. He's going to be fine. And I think you're going to see this become a trend. I think he's two years early. You know, maybe three years early. But this is going to become a thing that uh, that you need to prepare yourself for. He's just the first guy to do it. He's going to be seen as the trailblazer that that. That got this thing rolling. Now it's happened before, as as far back as 2010, and a lot of the guys didn't make it to the NBA. Um, Baisley's going to make it to the NBA. I mean, he's done, he's got he's got to put some weight on his frame, and he needs to refine maybe his outside shot a little bit. But he's a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous player. He's going to block shots. He's going to rebound if he develops that outside jumper, which he showed a little bit in the McDonald's game. He's going to be fine. He'll be in the league someday. Speaking of the McDonald's game. I mean, <laughs> I you know I, I I watched a little bit of it. Um, I watched enough to know that I knew what I thought I knew, and that's that Nasir Little, even though he is, I think he's ranked in the top twelve right now, is vastly underrated in this class. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I'm having his old man on here in a couple weeks. I'm saying that because I believe it. Uh, he wins the MVP with 28 points. Of course, he's going to North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I've long since. I've long compared him to Zion Williamson. The fact that Zion Williamson is the second-ranked player in this class is fucking ridiculous. Okay, he's not the second-best player in this class. Now, I I, I kind of feel bad saying that right now because the kid's injured. He injured his right thumb. Um, if, if anybody saw, it was actually a play in which Nasir Little stole the ball from him, which was kind of fitting for me in, in this narrative. But, you know, he goes down and his thumb just went all the way the wrong way just it was a it was a pretty grody injury uh it was released by us usa today that his mom um said that he was fine um she didn't say whether or not it's broken i think it has to be broken right at the very least it has to be dislocated if you haven't seen the video jump on youtube and look it up it's it, it's pretty gross your, your thumb is not supposed to go that way now luckily it's his it's his right hand I, you know he's a left-handed guy so it's his non-shooting hand but 
even before that was that happened i think six minutes left in the game um before that can you honestly tell me that, that zion williamson impressed you a great deal I mean, he's a six five power forward he, he i mean he can dunk the shit out of the ball he's a transcendent athlete you know um but it, as a basketball player you cannot tell me that he's better than little you can't tell me he's better than romeo langford who was I, I thought one of the more impressive players in that game. I hadn't seen a whole lot of Romeo Langford. He's one of the, uh, the undeclared kids that I think is probably going to end up in Indiana. Uh, you know, that's just me guessing. But um, he, <laughs> that kid can shoot the shit out of the ball. I mean, I love watching that kid play. I'd love to see that kid in the ACC, obviously at Georgia Tech, but, you know, not at fucking Duke. But uh, there were just there, – there are some players in that game that are are overhyped. It's, it's one of those uh, – you know what they can be down the road kind of deals the potential of of what these players can be you're you're basing the rankings today on what they can be five six seven years down the road and i just i don't think that's correct i you can't tell me you're watching nasir little play and you watch zion williamson play and you think that zion williamson is better Uh, nasir little is better than cam reddish okay cam reddish now as far as high end um you know uh potential cam reddish probably blows little out of the water but if you know as far as production and what you're going to see next year uh, i'm going to take nasir little over almost all of these recruits that duke has coming in with the exception of rj barrett i mean rj barrett is phenomenal he's the number one pick in his draft i think but you know a lot of these guys that are going to duke are athletes and i think you're starting to see that um that duke is kind of following the kentucky model right like they're they're, get, they're going towards the athletic kids now, you didn't have that this year. You had, you know, Wendell Carter is, you know, his game's pretty polished. Marvin Bagley is obviously, the you know, the best player in college basketball. Gary Trent can shoot the shit out of the ball. But next year's class, I mean, they did it with Bolden, right? Bolden's just a really good athlete at this point. Uh, Javin Delore is a fairly good athlete at this point. Alex O'Connell is a freak of an athlete. I mean, you look at him, he's a 6'5 white kid, but he's a freak of an athlete. Uh, Jordan Tucker, again, really good athlete. He ended up obviously transferring to Butler, but he was a he could shoot the ball. But you know, six seven, really good athlete, but still not a really great basketball player. Now you got Zion Williamson, not known for his shooting, known for his dunking. Okay, now you've got, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, these other guys coming in. Uh, you know, Trayvon Duvall, great athlete, did not translate very well to the game this year. And that's what kind of Kentucky did. Like they started going after like the five star kids because they were five star kids, and now they weren't that great this year, and they weren't that great last year. I mean, they had Malik Monk, who was just out of his goddamn mind some nights, and he saved that season for them. But it's interesting that you look at the Final Four this year. Not a whole lot of one and done guys playing there. You know, Kansas. Who's Kansas got that's a one and done? Nobody, right? Nobody right now. Nobody on that team. You know, D'Souza's not that. Billy Preston may have been that if he could have got eligible, but, you know, he had to bite the bullet for Bill Self not getting punished for cheating, so he's not there anymore. So, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. But I I, I think that if you're a Duke fan, you and now that Cable's gone, this is a real possibility. By the way, uh, Chris Carowell has taken uh, Jeff Cable's position on the Duke bench. But... If you're a Duke fan, I think you have to be a little bit worried because look at what, look what this one and done stuff has done to Kentucky. Now a lot of this stuff that's been happening at Kentucky is directly related to what's going on at Duke. Now Duke is winning this one and done battle with Kentucky at this point, but um, uh, I mean, look at Villanova. 
they're a get old, stay old type program. Jay Wright's probably the best coach in the country right now. He's not playing that one and done game. I mean, he's just, you know, good guards that can shoot the ball and are athletic as shit. Everybody, all five guys on the on the floor can shoot the three. All five guys can play multiple positions. Uh, hey, keep keep going with your one and done guys. Keep putting guys in the league. That's fine. Okay. I, not a whole lot of championships being won with the one and done guys. So, you know, I think North Carolina makes out like a band here. Um, if you could pick one of the three, I guess, out of Little, Williamson, and Reddish, I'd take Little all day long. And I got no bones about it. Um, let's get into some players. I want to look at, real quick, going to look at some uh, some guys that are transferring from other schools that could possibly be coming into the ACC. And I four names kind of stuck out to me. Um, first one I want to talk about is Aaron Calixti from Maine. This is a kid that I saw come up through high school. Um, he played high school, I'm not going to say right down the road, but fairly close to where I went to high school. And... Um, I saw him play uh, in his high school years, saw him play prep, saw him play um, college ball. So this kid is a really good point guard. Not a great scorer, but a really good point guard. He's going to put people in position. He's gonna, he is going to p- put people in position to succeed. Uh, he's a really good uh, guy to get people the ball where they need to get the ball. And Florida State's involved here. I think this kid is a great replacement for C.J. Walker in the future. So look for Florida State to stay heavily involved with Aaron Calixti. The next one I want to talk about is uh, Don Coleman, who's a guard from Cal, uh, who will be transferring out. Now, Georgia Tech is hot and heavy for this kid. Um, I don't think it seems likely, but G-Tech is heavy after this kid. Uh, Passner is all about – I mean, he, he's following um, you know Notre Dame, Villanova. Virginia, those type teams that are guard-heavy, shoot the ball, play all over the court, run like hell. Okay, right now Georgia Tech's fairly boring. That is a restriction that he has in place due to the the talent that is making up his current roster. He's got some kids coming in that can run and can shoot. Mike DeVoe, who plays for Montverde uh, in Florida, just won the national championship, finished up an uh, undefeated season yesterday. Mike DeVoe's on that team with R.J. Barrett and uh, Andrew Nebhard and – uh, the 6'10 kid going to Gonzaga who can shoot the shit out of the ball. Uh, foreign kid, I can't remember his name. Um, he, he's got a name that I would butcher even if I said it. And then it's got the Balsa kid who, you know, is a five-star blue chip type guy. So that team's loaded. If you can look up that game, it's probably on uh, Watch ESPN app. There's some serious goddamn talent that played in that game yesterday. So take a look at that. Uh, get to know uh, some future ACC guys for sure. Another guy I want to talk about is uh, Dion Wiley who is uh, a transfer out of Maryland, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, Virginia Tech and Miami are both on this kid. Another kid that I haven't really seen who's contacted him yet, but he's a good player, is uh, Corey Holden, who comes from uh, USC, well, not USC, USC East, South Carolina, uh, by way of Delaware, was a transfer there. He's basically been battling injuries for the last 18 months. This is a kid that averaged almost 18 points a game at Delaware, was thought to be a score, uh, a replacement for... um, Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. Uh, Sundarius Thornwell at South Carolina. He was supposed to kind of fill that void. Uh, didn't work out that way. I think it's a quad injury. It's a leg injury of some kind. He He's going to be in high demand if he's healthy, uh, if he continues to play basketball. So look for him. I think ACC teams will be after him. He's a six-man type that's going to come in and do a little instant offense type deal. I know G-Tech was after him when he left Delaware. They may be after him again. I suspect many teams will be after him. Um uh, a couple uh, a couple offers this week. Joe Girard offered by Notre Dame. Uh, they joined the masses, basically. 
uh, you know, the rest of the ACC is on this kid as well. He's a, you know, 3,000 point scorer in, uh, in New York City, or New York, I should say, Glen Falls. Uh, same high school as Jimmer Fredette. Actually broke his scoring record. Um, another one that went out was uh, Malcolm Wilson, who was a power forward center. Uh, he was offered by Georgia Tech this week. You know, there's, there's offers flying all over the place. The live period's coming up here in the next month. Uh, you know, the Peach Jam is in three months, so the EYBL is getting started here in the next couple, uh, what, eight weeks, something like that. So, you know, this this is going to start being, you know, the ACC basketball report is going to become the ACC recruiting report here in the next few months after uh, the Final Four wraps up, which, speaking of the Final Four, I uh, have not talked about it yet. Obviously, if some of you are yelling at me, like, what the fuck is going on? That, this is why I was just saving it for last. Uh, kind of uninspiring last night. Um, Michigan-Loyola game was decent uh, until Loyola forgot how to score. Uh, you know, it wasn't a game that I was – really into uh kind of a defensive battle i you know loyola was up nine seven nine at the half uh michigan came back and they were up seven nine most of the second half uh mo wagner was a beast in the second half i think he ended the game at 24 and 15 he's gonna have to do that again in the championship game because villanova came out looked impressive hit what 13 threes 15 threes uh, you know, just doing what they do. This is a team that shoots 40% from three and, as a team, and and they make, you know, a dozen, 14 a game. Uh, you know, they had their bad game and still won against Texas Tech. Uh, Michigan has not played anybody better than a six seed on this run, and now they're going to face the best team in the country. Right now, early line is Villanova by six and a half. Uh, I got them covering that all day, baby. Um, I think Villanova comes out and just – and really, really puts the hammer on them. Um, a double-digit win for Villanova. Easy, I think. Uh, you know, I don't think Michigan can hang with these guys. I don't think they've got the horses. They're a great team. Beeline's a great coach. But they don't have the horses to hang with these boys, I don't think. Uh, Villanova is a team of destiny. The only thing that's going to win me is the office pool, I think, because now all my futures tickets are gone. That sucks. You know, my last one was Kansas at plus 1,500, which would have been a nice little payday. Not going to happen this week, this year, folks, but I will try again next year. Uh, my bracket is completely busted again. You know, I do have one bracket that has Villanova winning it in the in the office pool, so I'm going to win 60 fucking bucks. But <clears throat> anyway, that is the ACC basketball report for today, folks. Uh, again, get on iTunes, like, rate, review, share, tell your friends, tell your siblings, tell your mom. You know, anybody who will listen, anybody who likes ACC basketball hoops, get on iTunes, give me five stars, call me an asshole, say nice things. doesn't matter to me as long as you give me five stars. I will get the stickers in next week. We will play some games. We'll have some fun. I'll give them away. We'll get the word out. We'll make this thing the premier place for ACC basketball news. I just need your help. So, again, follow me at pcone 36 on Twitter, go to ACC Basketball Report for any uh, additional content that I might throw up there. I've been a little bit lazy lately, but somehow the, the website keeps continuing to see uh, improved traffic, which is great. And uh, also visit me on fansided Slap the Sign at uh, slapasign.com. Again, my first article will be up tomorrow. The topic of uh, conversation will be Joe Girard III out of Glen Falls, New York, and his recruitment to Notre Dame. I will catch you guys next week, and don't forget to tell people uh, about the interview coming up with Hair Little on 415. I'm really looking forward to that. Guys, have a great Easter. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you next week. Later.